Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you all so much for being here for another uh, wonderful webinar session. It's really wicked to have you here. Um, as always, do pop in the comments box where you're watching from and uh, shift your chat to panelists and attendees so everyone can see what you're saying. It'll be wicked to know uh, where you are in the world as we watch the participants counter rise and rise and rise and rise. Um, and we've got one from Isabel there who says she's in Birmingham, so she's probably not far down the road from you guys, gents. Um, anyway, uh, today our guests are Adam Barry and Lee Wilcox. Uh, Adam is much better looking than the illustration that we got him done, and uh, Lee is likewise uh, less good looking than the illustration. I think that's what we decided. <laughs> uh, Lee and Adam work for Electric House, which is a Birmingham-based uh, social media publisher, who among their creations can count uh, on the tools and on a budget. Um, these are two entities which feel less like just social channels, but more like social movements. Um, I'm pretty sure if you look back into your your memory banks, your history, I've almost no doubt at all that you've probably watched one of their videos, interacted with something they've done. It, it's really quite amazing to have like individuals who have helped shape uh, the world that we sort of interact with online. And uh, we're gonna hear more about that today. Um, explaining why today's session is relevant is actually quite easy. Um, if you've ever asked the question, how do I build an engaged audience on social media? Well, you'll be looking at two people who have been there, done it, and built a successful business around it as well. Not only that, but then they've then repeated the trick across social media channels, which I think is actually the most impressive part upon it, about it. It's not just about being successful on Facebook, but if you look at their TikTok audience, their Instagram audience, is unreal and it's really, really, really impressive. So today they're sharing how they did it. Uh, today's session will run with a presentation and then a Q&A, although uh, you, know, you can get your, Q your questions in throughout the course of the session. Uh, to do that, you just need to find the Q&A feature, which is found down below on the, uh, the toolbar down the bottom. Uh, click Q&A, ask your questions, and uh, we'll be taking those. There is a thumbs up feature which you can use, which means that like, you can thumbs up the question which you like the most, and that will be the ones that we're looking to uh, ask first. So please do use that because it really helps me sort of find the most relevant questions for the most amount of people. Um, as I said, also, please just make sure that you do switch it to uh, panelists and attendees when you're commenting in the chat box, because uh, like last week's session was amazing that there was so much interaction going on in the session between everyone. And I'd love to see that again this week. Um, finally, I just want to thank the sponsors, um, each of whom have been truly unbelievable. Um, you know, like every week I come on these webinars and, and I say the introduction, and I thank the sponsors and some of you probably know it's coming, some of you it's new to, but all of you should hopefully know that um, the sponsors are a really integral part of what the Marketing Meetup does. Truly without them uh, supporting us in the way that they have, not only before Corona, but also during and, and, and hopefully one day post, um, they've stood by us and, and mean that we can keep on coming to, you know, 200 plus people right now we're broadcasting to uh, and keep on, um, you know, just like absolutely, hopefully improving your lives. So I've mentioned them before today's session and I'll mention them afterwards. Um, but I just want to say thank you to Content Cal, Fiverr, Redgate, Cambridge Marketing College, Lido, Brand, Further, Third Light, Pitch and Human. Um, my only ask really is with all of these sponsors that as they are uh, so important to what we do that you do take the time to thank them with a quick message on LinkedIn uh, and I put their profiles in, in the, in the uh, follow-up message as well so it's nice and easy for you to do. It literally takes five minutes but it's the type of thing which makes a real difference to the community. Uh, with all that said, uh, it's actually my time to hand over to the chaps. So Lee, Adam, uh, it's over to you. Thank you for being here today. No problem. Thanks for having us. Hello, everyone. Um, <laughs> I just, just was going to mention, um, while you're thanking the sponsors on LinkedIn, feel free to add me and Lee. I'm uh, <laughs> Harry Wilcox. Yeah, that is. Um, a... Two birds, one stone. You might as well do that. Yeah, that was seamless, wasn't it? That was good, that one. I'll, I'll link you guys there, too. <laughs> uh, oh, it's... Um, I think only you can share at the moment. 
Uh, oh, that's interesting. Uh, you are, I'll make you the host. Um, so there you go. There you go, chaps. Oh, there we go. Um, we all good? All good. Brilliant. Can you see us as well? Um, uh, or is it just, just the screen now? We, we've got mostly the screen, but we've got you in the, the, the top corner in sort of like a little thumbnail. Um, so yeah, thanks over 200 people. Brilliant. Uh, taking the time to listen to us, which is uh, amazing. So thanks very much. And um, yeah, Joe, pleasure to, pleasure to be here, mate. Um, <clears throat> so without further ado, um, we grow communities on social, uh, and in the words of Montel Jordan, this is how we do it. <laughs> wow. Went for it, didn't I? That was a lot bigger than you, uh, than you rehearsal. Well, wow. you know, sometimes yeah. you got to go big, haven't you? Um, <laughs> Oh, this is, uh... oh, there, there we go. go. Uh, so I'm Lee Wilcox, CEO, co-founder of Electric House and, uh, and this. And I am Adam Barry, co-founder and creative director at Electric House. Uh, Going to talk to you a little bit about how we got here uh, and how we became Electric House, a little bit about uh, the story, but not too long. What we actually want to do is just try and give you some stuff to take away, actually take away and implement or, or at least talk to people about the business or other people, um, friends, however uh, you may want to do it. So how we've grown, we started as on the tools, um, uh, uh, which was, our, as Joe mentioned, is, is sort of our flagship community. Um, we also um, used to outsource our logo design to um, people uh, off the street. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> anyone who would do it i think yeah. i think the first one we shouted out the window and someone threw it back at us um <laughs> the, the, the second one was uh, i think there was what i did and then and then it's sort of you know progressed from there uh, along the way we've we've um sort of grown other communities but uh, another sort of flagship would be the the honor budget community um that sort of started as the Alwana budget and we and we've now grown that into different verticals and, and then because of having those communities we we formed electric house um, as the sort of group above our communities um but where did it where did we start i mean this uh how cool were we, we i mean cool i didn't realize we were that cool yeah i mean that i remember that t-shirt i wore the hell out of that t-shirt yeah. uh, this is a holiday uh me and ad um have managed this since we were in junior school um like, like step brothers here aren't we like boats and hoes look at us um Absolutely smashing it. Um, I think we we're 14 here. I went to Bournemouth. This is with my mum and dad. But we used to go on holidays all the time. And, and we've known each other since Ad moved to Tamworth. Um, year five, was it? Yeah, it's about 10. I was about 10. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like year five. Moved from yeah. Birmingham to uh, Tamworth. Um, and, you know, we've been in, inseparable ever since. And, and um, like all great business ideas, um, it just started when we were drunk. Uh, Friday night, me and Ad uh, was at my mum and dad's house at the time. I was living with my parents, um, and Ad had been in the trade for 12 years at this point, and we were getting drunk in the garden, and Ad was moaning about the fact he couldn't find a plasterer on the job he was on. Um, I was adamant there's got to be something out there that would allow people to connect. You know, um, there was, but... You know, you used to go through your phone book uh, or use recruiters um, or there was things like check a trade rating people, but those were very much B2C. There was nothing that would allow contractor to subcontractor on site to get your next job or find people for a job. Um, so I don't know what we were discussing this earlier, why I took a photo of the room. Yeah, I think it's because Lee wanted to show how um, masculine he was and how much room he drank. <laughs> Um, and I like to think that it was because I knew something special happened that night and that I wanted to like, you know, this is where the, the idea came yeah, from. Probably uh, yeah, it's probably the first one, isn't it? But double hard. Double hard, yeah. Um, so uh, the next morning, Ad's driving to the site. It's a Saturday morning, driving to London on a, uh, to a, a job and, and, you know, it's really sort of like pumped about the idea that we'd had of creating a recruitment app that would allow people to connect. We didn't want to take money. We didn't want to... Um, worry about pay we just wanted to i guess cut out the recruiters you know um uh within that industry and and try and just connect people um and hence the connecting construction sort of how that came about we um 
ended up getting our own office and um, started it from from a bedroom at my mom's house and and we got a little office then we got a, a, another one and then we moved to a, another one in, in Tamworth a bigger one and, and and sort of all through this period we were still trying to build the app and and actually realized eventually we, we got ripped off on the first version we sent it on um, Upwork and um, had our pants pulled down completely it was uh, eight grand well spent um, why we thought we could build a, a, an industry leading app for eight grand you know, who knew but it yeah. was what we had we had no money we had no money for marketing we had nothing and Ad came up with the idea a couple of weeks in of, of creating um, uh, a Facebook page based on you know humorous content within the construction industry and uh, promised me I had loads of videos and didn't you had about four I had four and I don't think we used any of them they were, they were that <laughs> bad yeah, yeah so we, we sort of sourced uh, YouTube etc for the first couple of weeks but after that the community started sending that content in and that's how it grew you know it was very sort of self-sufficient for the first um, six to, to 12 months and we started an online store and we, we asked the community for designs and they started giving us ideas we would then create the designs sell them back on hoodies and t-shirts that was really well and that allowed us to sort of move into this in this sort of more like media space and knowing that we were engaging with the community they valued what we were doing and, and, and we could then monetize that community to grow the business and and actually when the app came back we got it rebuilt in the uk and when it came we finally got it done this is like two and a half years in and we were like nah it's not a very good idea now um recruitment had changed um uh the churn had slowed there was lots of work on we knew that people were going to be coming back to use that app once every couple of months and and really we didn't see the value in for a brand or for anyone being able to monetize it so we scrapped it and really like doubled down and and we knew we needed to work with more brands and this is where <clears throat> andy taylor came in this was, this was our first signing um this is when i used to wear a shirt and trousers to work <laughs> because <laughs> coming from coming from a, a a construction site where i worked for 12 years i thought office life was shirt trousers i think i might have had like a file fact or something <laughs> And, uh, and I used to turn up to work dressed like that and Lisa said, you don't have to wear a shirt, it's your office. Yeah, um, we, um, we knew we needed, uh, Ad was working on the community, Ad came, Ad jumped on board after about six months, he, he, he left the construction industry to jump sort of on the tools and, and um, he ran that community, perfect, he was the community, yeah, that, that's why this community grew so well and so quickly after that point because um, it was so relevant I was dealing with the online store and then and then we needed someone to work with brands we needed someone to engage with, with brands Andy I've worked with Andy for um, a number of years in previous role and um, he'd actually invested a little bit of money um, uh, the best couple of grand he ever spent <laughs> um, uh, at the very beginning to try and get the website built and um, he then came on board, but we we need we knew we needed someone, and we we basically lied to him. We said, look, if we can get three months worth of salary in the bank, will you will you come on board? You know, he's got a mortgage, got um, wife, kids, and and he was like, yeah. And then after five weeks, we went back and was like, yeah, we've got it. We didn't. We had about five weeks worth of, worth of salary, and uh, he walked into a shitstorm. But he rolled his sleeves up and got on with it, and and that's where we really became the, the sort of publishing. Um, agency uh, and, and later on then the group um, we started to look at other communities other platforms we started to work with brands we moved from Tamworth to Birmingham um, at the start of this year just we were, we were um, gleefully opening our offices and then 30 days later we um, we had to shut because of our Rona so um, uh, we, we just started to sort of open back up now but we're a sort of team of about 75 Electric House now has three core communities. Um, we are a social media publishing group that creates, publish, uh, produces, and distributes uh, content. We have an in-house production team, social team, uh, original content team, branded. Um, we have producers, uh, commercial team. We have project managers, account managers, um, all sort of uh, either working towards creating engaging, relevant, original content or uh, on the on the flip side to that, branded content with brands or managing social media channels for brands on their behalf. Um, core core communities sit across on the tools at nearly five million followers now um, on a budget at three and a half. And, uh, Ministry of which is our, our new flagship channel through TikTok that we're starting trying to go the other way around this time. So historically, we've always started with Facebook first and then grown out through the communities and 
uh, notably seeing the growth through TikTok. We wanted to try a different angle uh, and that seems to be working pretty well as well. Um, so look, today is about, it gives you an idea and a flavor of how we've got to where we've got to and, and I guess why Joe's letting us on to talk, um, which, is, which is great. Um, we want to sort of go through sort of two, two elements, I guess, um, on how we would almost, if we were to wind back the clock, what would we do and how would we approach community growth, knowing what we know now um, and sort of how the landscape has changed and, and, and how we do things at Electric House, trying to give you some nuggets. So the first and, and what we wanted to sort of cover off, I guess, was the setup uh, and <clears throat> some sort of staple diet stuff that we've got um, and utilize to then allow us to do the, the more strategy and like in-depth granular stuff which Adol will take you through um, as that's definitely his bag. So <clears throat> leaning into your niche, look, we've we've about six to nine months in um, of, of operating on the tools, we were looking around the landscape and we were like looking at types of, you know, back then like VT now, but back then like viral thread, lad bible, unilad. Um, <clears throat> And, and we were looking at them and going and like BuzzFeed and, and going like, actually, mate, we've got really heavy, like male dominated audience here. Maybe we should just like, like, you know, we'll still launch the app, but, uh, and we'll still get loads of people in construction to download it, but maybe we should go broad, you know, let's try and get 40 million followers. Let's, let's do that, you know, and, and, and let's talk about sports through on the tools and let's talk about gaming and do those types of things. And then actually, when, when we really sort of looked into it, I always remember the discussion and it was like, we've still got the app, we're still construction, we still really only want people in the trade with on the tools. What's the, you know, and actually, are we going to become a poor man's lab Bible? Are we going to become a poor man's uni lad? Um, uh, and it was the best decision we ever made was going, actually, no, we're going to lean in. We're going to go, we're going to double down on, on construction. We're not going to try and go broad. We don't want wastage. Um, and actually that app that never launched, no, I always say it, you know, it was the best great eight grand we ever wasted because we hadn't have just got on with doing that. We wouldn't have kept core to what we were doing with, with on the tools. We, we probably would have like chased shiny things and lots of reach and views, but, in 2018, when the algorithms changed through Facebook and Instagram, publishers got hit big time, and, <clears> and we didn't. Uh, and we were shitting ourselves. You know, we 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 saw it. Then you know, people were jumping on LinkedIn, and it was really public what had happened with with the algorithm. Um, I think even Facebook were relatively public about it um, because of the route they wanted to go down. And we were thinking, we're you know, we're a small community here in comparison to others. We're still class. We're still in their we're still in their pond. Um, but actually, it helped us because our, the, the content that was being served was being more engaged, it was getting more engagement as it, as it got served in those first sort of four hours across those platforms. And our growth went through the roof, our views went through the roof, our engagement did, and it's all because we just stuck to that niche. Um, you know, I like to think it was because we knew that that was gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. Because we thought we had a really good idea with this app. Um, so, Set up a Facebook group. Um, you can all see me in the top right corner here. So I'm going to let Ad, he's quite, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, so I, I can sum this like up. I'm going to just stand, I'm just going to sit here. Oh, he's, he's, he's actually getting up. Okay. Um, this is Lee. I'm going to sum this up very quickly. This is Lee um, pretending he's like Gary Vaynerchuk or something. Yeah, and predicting the future. So Lee on the left-hand side. This was in, in on the 4th of March, 2019. Facebook's mission changed from connecting the world to connecting the world through communities. They were just dead space in Facebook. And then over time, people have found a lot of value through it. Facebook has noticed and thought, shit, we can put ads in there. And then <laughs> looks like nearly 30 days later, Mark Zuckerberg at F8. Basically now everywhere where you're going to be able to see and connect with your friends, you're also going to be able to see and connect with groups that you care about. Zuckerberg said, it all adds up to this feeling that groups are now at the heart of the experience just as much as your friends and family are. Well done, Lee. <laughs> so, yeah, Lee, Lee predicted the future. So um, at the, at that was at the Birmingham market meetup. And look, the reason I say that is because we've been harping on about groups for a long time. Joe knows this, James knows this, and, and, and it's something that we've, and we, we stumbled on it, guys. We stumbled on it. We, through operating on the tools, we, saw a gap 
with a client who are really trying to work and, and hit the younger tradespeople and, and you know apprentices of, of the industry and, and we we were sort of basically trying to an ad sort of comes onto this but we were going like niche on niche we've like we've got our niche and we're like actually we need to like carve this other niche out that are very different to the more experienced tradespeople in in the industry and and when we did that we did it because we were like well there's an opportunity here with the client it might work well and actually it'd be good to talk to new tradespeople start getting some you know some other bits and pieces out of it but my god we just did not realize how powerful groups were this was three and a half years ago something yeah. like four years ago and they had no input really for Facebook. They got created and then left in a, in a, in a tech graveyard with no updates. And, and because of that, the algorithms never changed. And it was just pure organic uh, reach, um, content being served by other people. It was perfect. And, and that became powerful. And since then, we were like, okay, how do we, how do we maximize community growth through groups? On a budget, we built through groups. Uh, and uh, like I said, add will sort of come on to the more use of groups, but, that hit two million members today, uh, yeah. this morning. Uh, two million members in one Facebook group uh, for DIY on a budget. And there's other groups that, that now sort of another seven or eight verticals. So, so powerful when you've got that amount of people all having shared interest in something. And ultimately, if Zuck's saying it's a big part of, of the product, um, then you, you sort of got to, you've got to go with the platforms. Don't try and fight them, like go with them. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if we start seeing groups or elements of groups pop up in other platforms because it's there's nothing else like them, uh, and there should be. You know, imagine like maybe I'm doing I'm a, yeah I'm doing another premonition for you. Again. <laughs> imagine uh, like story pods or like story groups, something like that, where actually it's just a, you you can join a group that's built on stories, but you see pretty much all of them, uh, and people can ask questions, engage with them. Like imagine the power of that. Um, uh, something where you can post and know it's it's not yes it's going to have to get filtered based on you know um, sensitive com uh, uh, content that's created or um, but on the whole other people are going to see it that is that is so powerful so set up a Facebook group if you don't if you're a brand and you don't have a Facebook group um, you need one I can't I can't like get what if I if I see you again in a month if I catch you in a month and you haven't got your Facebook group you're an idiot. The next point would be disguise yourself. So it's all well and good being a brand and saying it groups, but when we were talking about this this morning, Mark, who, who, um, uh, who's been involved in the beginning as well, one of, one of the other directors, Mark Collins, when we were coming up with name on the tools, he, his, his suggestion was workplace solutions, right? And, and, and mine was on the tools. Look, an ad was on the fence with it. He was like, I don't know. <laughs> no, I've done And we didn't know what we were going to do. Anyway, we made the right choice with on the tools. but. Imagine workplace solutions set up a Facebook group, right? And uh, they're a recruitment company at heart. People aren't going to be joining that group on the basis of like workplace solution. I've never heard of them, don't know the brand, but they're definitely going to give me value on how to get a job in the construction industry. They're not. You're probably going to look at me like that. They sound quite corporate and they're going to claw my eyes out and try and like um, hit me at every opportunity. Whereas actually, if you created a Facebook group called how to get a job in the construction industry or the um, uh, top tips uh, when working, when starting a job in construction or where actually it's a place where people are gonna share ideas and uh, tips on how to uh, do your tax return for the first time, where to get the best setup for tools, how to get your tool insurance covered, where's the best deal on vans, like, but it's aggregated by the community, not by the brand. As a brand, you are there to make sure people are going to join and get value, and you're there to moderate. So, if you've got you know a brand that's that seems quite corporate and and um, and you're going to right hook people uh, in the face as soon as they step in there, do so, you don't have to have the brand name in the group. Um, it can definitely be operated in a different way. Look at what people are going to be searching for. Look at what people are going to actually get value from. Um, where are the pain points in your industry? What are you actually trying to solve? Um, and then the next point is, is don't sell for 12, for at least 12 months. And, and look, it could be two years, could be three years, whatever. But if you go in there and you start getting traction, create a Facebook group and, you, and, and a community, a community as a whole anywhere, and then you start going, oh, we've got 5,000, we've got 10,000. Imagine how much money we can get now if we start selling our product to the, or our services to these, to these people. And then instantly you, you turn them off because they're not, they've not got enough value yet. 
you think about it like this. Think about the marketing meetup. Yeah, the marketing meetup is just pure value, right? That's it. It's all you get. You ain't got to do anything. You, like you, you turn up. You know what you're getting. You're getting pure value, and they've been doing that for years and years and years and years and years. If Joe and James want to start doing different things with products, things like that, people are going to buy into it because they've had they've had years of value, years of value. And that's the difference. You can't expect to grow a community in six months and start whacking them in the head with your product. Doesn't work, does not work. You've got to have, you've got to be in it for a bit more of a long game. So anyone out there who's going to be looking to build community, like change the expectation if you've got it, that you're going to be able to do it in, in six to nine months. You might be able to build the start building the community and getting value from it. And add up commodities is great ways to be able to get value that don't just mean money. Um, so be careful about how you try and monetize these communities straight away. Really try and, uh, and build the value, build the community, build the sentiment, um, build the engagement, build the views, like create content and, and let, the, let the community create content as well. Um, I'm going to aptly hand over to um, Adam Barry for the next section because he's got something to tell you. I like how you give me this slide. I know, yeah, it's like yeah. quite aggressive, isn't it? The, the first time I sort of like sit down and give a bit of value and I go, listen, you don't know shit. How arrogant's that? Um, uh, so yeah, listen, you don't know shit. Um, like Lee said there, what we want to try and do is give you um, some takeaways from this. And, and sometimes you can join these webinars and it's just someone talking at you and saying, these are fantastic things to do and they don't actually show you how to do them or, or the benefits of doing them. So. Don't sell for 12 months. Again, um, it's very difficult to do that. And you're sitting there and you're thinking, God, it's such a long time. What, what, do I, what do I do in that time? But there are other ways to extract value from groups. And I'm going to show you a couple of examples of what we do on the daily. Just quickly, the listen, you don't know shit. It's not us saying, listen to us, you don't know shit we do. It's actually like, listen to your community. Sorry if that came across wrong. Yeah. I, like I got the wrong, uh, no, 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 wrong no, sensor no. on that. Yeah. I'm going to stop setting people. Um, you know, like they, they leave feedback like, I don't know, they're a bit arrogant actually halfway through this said, listen, you don't know shit. Yeah, we take it back. We take it, we take it back. Listen to the community. Because <laughs> you don't know shit, you don't listen to the community. Um, so this is an example, um, and this is what we use our groups for. Um, and we have a saying within the, the office that um, our groups are community first, which means that they basically give us all the ideas for the content that we create and then push back to them. Because within groups, you just see conversations that are happening. It's like that voyeurism where they're having natural conversations because there is no brand attached. And you get to look at those conversations. And, and sometimes in our on a budget group, we can actually predict what the next big trend is. We can tell you when what paint's gonna be the next big paint that people are gonna be using because we see it within the groups first. Um, but th this, this is an example of, us being able to get content from within the group and use that content across our other channels. And that might be website, writing blog posts on it. It might be creating video content and pushing out on Facebook, Instagram. Um, and this is a fantastic example. It's a really good example, by the way, guys. We had to pick a good one. Yeah. Um, but this was posted um, towards the end of March by one of our members in, in On A Budget. And what Gemma had done is she'd upcycled a door with some sticky back plastic. And for those of you who don't know what it is, it's just like a vinyl that you can cover things with and you use a heat gun or a hairdryer and you're, you're able to cover it, um, saves you painting it um, and you can get some really good finishes. So she's put this in the group, the, uh, a few photos and a video that she filmed herself of a time-lapse. Um, and, and we've seen how much engagement it got within the group. It had over 3000 comments. And it was like, okay, this is like really, really engaging content. We need to do something with this. So we got in touch with Gemma and we asked her if we could license the content which then led us to create uh, more of an editorial piece around what she'd done. We then posted that um, three days later on our Facebook page and um, we got a ridiculous amount of views. So we just got over 10 million views on this video alone and that is completely organic. There's no like cross-posting shares between channels. There's no paid. It is just purely organic, 26,000 shares, over 5,000 comments. And we do that every day. So we see content within the group we look at what's worked and we use that to help us form a strategy, whether that's a strategy like in business, whether it's, okay, how do we use this to match up with brands? How do we use it just for pure value? And I've got a few more examples here, but content is very difficult to get as well. For us, when you're on the tools, we get a lot of content sent to us, it's quite easy, but I do understand that when you're a brand, why would anyone send you content? 
um, unless it's a complaint, maybe. Um, so, you know, it is very difficult and, and I'm trying to, I suppose I'm trying to answer questions before they come in, but this is how you do that. This is how you can get content from your customers or your potential customers um, without it being a complaint, I guess. Um, and just, just another, another thing just to show you, the, the value that, that we've seen off the back of that was over the course of seven days, we got 15,000 um, followers increase on our Facebook page off the back of that post that all we had to do was a little bit of editorial work on. So it just shows you the power there. We've obviously give a load of value to the user because they enjoyed it, they, they engaged it, but we ended up getting over 15,000 um, followers within seven days, which in 2020 is pretty good growth. Yeah. You know, that's the sort of growth you'd see when we started in 2015, 2016. Yeah. Um, okay, another thing I wanted to talk about was the use of polls. Um, and again, this is something we do daily. And this is, for me, probably one of the most important things that I use within the groups or I get the social teams to use because there's so many things you can, you can get out of it. Now, Insight um, brands spend thousands and thousands of pounds a year on market research. And if you can get a group going and you do it in the right way, that can then be something that costs you zero. We don't spend any money. We don't offer anything in exchange for someone to poll. We just try and use things that are interesting to the community like questions that come across in an interesting way. So this, is, this example here is, we wanted to put a presenter in front of our audience for some of the how-tos. And one of the questions that got thrown up, because on a budget is predominantly female, we were quite unsure as two men, what would work as for, for a presenter? Uh, are, are women gonna want a man to be presenting? Are they gonna want a, be, a woman to be presenting? So we just thought, we do what we always do. We ask the audience, you know, we, we ask the community, what, what is it you wanna see? And they, uh, they jump on and they, 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 uh, they vote on the poll and they put things in comments. Uh, and what we could see from this was, you know, 70% of our community said, we'd rather have a female presenter, which then led us down the route of getting a female presenter in and we've done some really successful content off the back of it. So that's a good example. Another example, um, we use it on strategy as well. So we have, at the moment, we have eight groups that feed into on a budget. So we've gone niche on niche on niche. So we start with the DIY on a budget. And then we think, okay, this is all about people sharing tips for um, home decor and DIY on a budget, but surely there must be other things that these people want to do when it comes to saving money. Um, and those things, and again, I think we polled this, you know, what are your other interests and, and cooking came about, parenting, these were all things that, were, that they had in common. So then we just started creating these groups, parenting on a budget, cooking on a budget, cleaning on a budget, and then we, we ended up getting niche on niche. And this was an idea that we had for students on a budget. But one thing we wanted to do was make sure that there was a market for it. So if we're going to bring it from our main group that there's 2 million people in, we want to make sure, okay, well, there might not be any students in there. So again, let's ask how many people in this group are students. And we got feedback of around 9 to 10%. Now, this was on um, a small amount of people, I might add. So I think 330 people answered this, or 325 people. So we would obviously do quite a few more of these before we make the decision. But what that told us is actually, if we do more of this and we can get some more data, there could be up to 200,000 people in this group, that's students. Well, that's definitely something worth exploring. This is your favorite. I don't think I hear anyone say this more than you. Um, oh, the, uh, actually, no, um, Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. You're, you're a poor man's Gary Vaynerchuk. I've just realized man. on this yeah, Lee Wilcox is a poor man's Gary Venture. That's my personal brand tagline. <laughs> I think that would work. Yeah, it would, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to change my name to Gary Lee. Uh, yeah, that's good. I was drinking otherwise I'd have yeah, 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 um, So create a shitload of content everywhere. And this is something we have been passionate about. And it's, it's one of the reasons to our success is like we've always said to everyone, oh, just keep creating content. I think we've been guilty in the past where we wanted things to be perfect. And almost you start coming up with these excuses, don't you, where you, you kind of go, no, we can't do that yet because we haven't got that camera. Or we can't do that yet because we haven't got that tech. Bullshit. You can yeah. go live on a phone. Just get your phone out and go live with it. I don't care. We'll work towards the perfection. Let's just get something now and get some data back. So create a shitload of content and, and put it everywhere. Now, what I want to just go through here is like something that we do a lot of. And I will caveat that um, with... We don't just create content for one channel and then think, oh, okay, where else can we push that? We create content for multi-channels, but with the mindset that we're creating content for multi-channels. 
So what we might do is go out and film a piece of content for YouTube. And in our mind, we might think, okay, what do we want from this for YouTube? What works well for us is, you know, a 10 minute piece of content. Off that 10 minute piece of content, it would be a, a really good idea to actually think about, okay, well, while we're out, is there a different way we need to film this for Instagram and Facebook? Um, is there another way we need to do that to include stories? Um, and that's, that is essentially what we do. So it might take us longer. It might take us longer to write the script. It might take us longer when we're out filming, but I want to make sure that it's fit for every channel. And I think a mistake that we've made in the past that a lot of people still make is they'll just film something for a certain platform and then they'll push it out thinking it's fine, it'll just fit and it won't. Yeah, and sometimes the content you're creating just won't fit based on its, uh, based on the creative, whatever that might be. But what you'll find is actually if you start thinking more multi-channel when, when you are out shooting and you are creating content, um, or even from when you're editing content, even user-generated content, that's fine. That can still be edited in a way where uh, compilations can, be, can be still be great for YouTube if they're long enough and for Facebook. But actually for stories, what you can do is then chuck some of the compilations in, but maybe get a presenter in to, to cut in in between uh, each one, just do a narrative piece of camera, dead easy. You haven't got to go out and shoot it. Or you could do some animation in between those and uh, intimately do that. Or you could turn it into a top five files on TikTok and have a presenter um, and utilize the sort of in-app uh, editing on that. So there's, there's always a way to like sweat the asset and like cut that cloth more and more and more and more. And I think, because what's hard, I think is, it's difficult for brands, like we're a publisher, like our job is to publish content. The business thrives off it, it has done forever. And if you haven't got that set up as a brand, you totally get why then you look at this and be like, well, that's fine, but I'm not gonna be able to create 10 bits of content, one bit of content, or I can't even create one bit of content yet. But I think no matter what you are creating, even if you're only creating one or two bits a week, uh, one a month, look at that one and go, don't just post it once. Like if it's two minutes long, then you can definitely get some stories out of it. You've got some more value out of that. And, and then that will change the mindset in terms of how you create and approach content. And it's, to be honest, it's the thing that, it's the thing that keeps the machine running, you know, ad strategy in his team is to make sure that once they've started cutting up in that way, that stories drives traffic really well from a swipe perspective from, from, our, from our communities. Um, so we'll always use stories to intermittently cut in for swipe to push back to YouTube um, because we know that that's a good way of just gaining that extra traction and it isn't going to solve, <laughs> this doesn't happen overnight and it isn't, doesn't mean, oh, we're going to put some stories in that day and it's going to give us an extra 10,000 views on, on YouTube. That might not happen, but over time, if you consistently do that, then actually the incremental value of, of people understanding what you do in stories um, and the value you get from going back through that data and going, okay, are people swiping up? They're not. Why are they not? Are we doing it too early? Are we lagging off on, on our stories in the sense that we only get people watching the first three or four and then by the 10th one, they're done. Let's shorten our stories. Let's go only go to three or, three or four or to five. And, and it's without doing it, you can't get the data. Like it, you know, it all starts with a view. It all starts with, with a post. Without it, you can't get any of that data to even know what you want to do. So I think... It just starting is is the is is important, but definitely trying to cut cut your cloth. Yeah, I think the data thing. Like when I hear the word data, it just makes me not want to listen. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those words. You know, data. Oh, yeah. get in the bin. I don't want to listen about data. But everything that we're doing here. Now you can. You, there's a lot of decent takeaways from this. But ultimately, this is what's worked for us on with our community because we understand what our community. Um, are like when they're consuming content we know what they like in terms of like how long the video should be what should be in that first three to ten seconds of the video so you'll have to find your own um, and something we do i'm going off topic now but something we do is we almost have like creative checklists um which we might have a creative checklist for a certain platform which is a, a certain video style so that would be um if we were doing a sketch on youtube it would have its own creative checklist now, um, I'm happy to like share that with anyone if you want to uh, add, add us uh, um, at the end of this, um, because I, don't, I just realized I've just gone completely off topic. Uh, but it's something I'm really passionate about. That's why I wanted to mention it. Um, where were we, mate? Okay, yeah, sorry. We haven't even spoken about this slide. 90 seconds uh, works across Facebook and Instagram for increasing followers. So a lot of our content that we push out is, is three minutes plus on our Facebook page. 
um, and Instagram on our feed. It's around about anywhere between 45 seconds uh, plus, isn't it? But what actually gets the followers is the sort of like the 90 second mark. And that's what we found. That's what Facebook have told us as well. That is what gets everything else turning. And that's what gets more views on the rest of your content as well, isn't it? Yeah, so it's the way that the algorithm is working currently with Facebook and Instagram um, uh, is that between 60 seconds and 120 seconds, between that one and two minute mark, um, what the, con the content gets served a lot more at that length in suggested videos in the feed. So um, because the data that Facebook has um, uh, as a business is that actually people who um, engage in the in those like served platforms yeah so you know facebook instagram is very much not search led it's very served it's serviced it, um uh and, and on those platforms what works is that the the sweet spot is between the one and two minute that because people engage with it once they watch that they then get served more videos and they facebook's data shows that people who watch who come to the platform and get engaged with those videos first tend to stay longer. So Facebook pushes these types of, uh, these length of videos. It's also pushing longer form because it knows it can put ads in there at the moment. Yeah, three minutes plus you can, you can drive ads with it uh, in stream ads. But, you know, the platforms are very clever. Um, probably the, the, the blue product, particularly with Facebook, it is one of the most intelligent systems ever built and, and actually knows what we want to watch before we want to watch it. So something that less so with on the tools i think with on the tools we create more three minute content because it's a way more established community that we can monetize through views and, and create original content team and you know we've built a team now off the back of being able to monetize the community and we can now go out and create more original documentaries and, and cover stuff that is way more impactful uh, which we love and, and we want to continue to do that whereas with on a budget i think definitely the strategy is that we're creating much shorter content the one and two minute mark because we want the growth in the community we want more people to see our content and follow our page so this is just a, a small tip on on i guess what gets served at the platform for for new followers and for people for people who are engaging in in high uh, high um high view content facebook will serve that uh, and you will stand a chance of getting more followers based on the fact that more people will be seeing the content. And once they start watching that content and they have followed a page, when you follow a page on Facebook and Instagram, you will have, I'm sure lots of you will know this, and if not, you will, you, will have, you will have seen it. For that first week, you get served a lot of that content because Facebook uh, as, as a platform and an Instagram, they're just going, do you really like it? Do you actually want to see it? Are you going to engage with it? Because if you're not, we're probably not going to show it you again. Give you a bit of time. We'll show it you a few times, but if you keep ignoring it, we're going to assume that actually the other thousand things that you follow, we're going to show you a bit more of that. So it's it's a really key key part of having still having lots of different content, but a really good strategy to grow organically. Really good. Yeah, I think that's one thing that we've been really good at is is understanding how each platform works psychologically. Yeah, as well, and um, that brings us on to like you know making sure it's right for each channel and. I've in the past, um, I've been guilty of only using, I download every channel, uh, every platform, sorry, but I'm, I'm, I'm sort of like only creating content on a handful. So I'll be like mad on LinkedIn, I'll do a little bit on Instagram, Facebook, and then I've got a Twitter account. That's yeah. as far as it goes. And, and what that means is I'm probably not best placed to understand how my creative idea or my post or how I want to reach people on Twitter because I don't use it day in, day out. So it's having an understanding of psychologically how people, what mindset are you in when you go onto a platform? Um, because I think a lot of um, brands I see now, and again, we've been guilty of it in the past. This comes from experience, guys. Um, we'll create content for YouTube and just think that that 10-minute video is going to work on Facebook. and It just doesn't because people aren't going onto Facebook to watch 10 minute videos, they're just not. Um, this is taken from Sprout this year, 88% of Facebook users on the platform stay in touch with friends and family, and that's exactly why I use it. Um, and only 17% there, if you have a look, uh, just the middle, the, the yellow circle, only 17% follow brands and companies. They're not there really to interact with your brand's content. They're there to see the family and friends. So you've got to understand how people are using that in order to reach them. Um, which brings us on to this. And, and, and I guess overall, all of this is all built out of consistency. So I think probably the most valuable thing we've learned and, and actually probably the thing that we've been best at 
been most consistent with is consistency. Ironically, we're going meta, but it's the, one of our values, Lee. It is one of our values. Um, and the the importance on this for six years, we had posted multiple pieces of content on the on the tools channels. Six years, there isn't a day that's gone by that we've missed it. If if it, if that was to happen now, we said this earlier on. Ab was like an alarm would go off in the office, like you know, you know that scene from the American office where the the, the fire and they're throwing the, the the chairs at the window and all that. Yeah, it'd be like that. It'd be carnage. Yeah, gets to gets to six o'clock and everyone's leaving. There's no, nothing been posted on the channels. It would be uh, a shit. It'd be like a tornado going off in the office. It just doesn't happen. It'd be unthinkable. Now that that's us as a publisher, and I get that. And as a brand, you might not want to post that much, but whatever you are going to post, you've got to like stick with it. And I think if you are going to try and grow a community, the consistency of, of community is that they want to engage every day. If you want an engaged community, then you've got to do the same. You've got to commit to it. You know, you've got to, you've got to lean into that and go. Well, I've got to work with these guys. I've got to like I've got to provide value, and they're going to give it me back. It's not a one way one way thing. So. Um, that's the, 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 probably the most powerful thing we've had is just, and we've not really realized how long we've been doing it, I guess. You say six years, I can't believe we've been doing it six years, but there just hasn't been a day that we haven't posted. Um, someone's going to go and farm one now. They're going to trawl back and go, well, actually, on yeah. uh, May the 7th in 2016. Yeah. We probably had to delete it. Yeah, probably. There's, There's a some gap. rogue content going back then. So, yeah, it's pretty, if there's a gap, it's been deleted. Um, and that, that's led to, to on the tools being, uh, this is a bit of a brag, but it's, uh, you know, it's not it, even a humble brag, is no, it? Really? It's not really. It's full on what brag. we want to show is like the, the consistency and the power of building those communities, and, and, and I guess the takeaways we've got here is it does lead to something. You know, last year on the tools was was the the, the leader of the pack in uh, in the entertainment uh, sector for for branded content. You know, and, and look at the these are the brands which you know by the way we look up to and love. Um, uh, they're a lot bigger than us, a lot bigger, like 10 times bigger, some of them. Yet they're not getting as many branded views because they didn't lean into their niche. They didn't stay in a territory. They went broad as, as broad can be. And, and now when they do branded work, you try and sell a product or a service to a UK male aged between 18 to 25 that lives in America and is an old lady called Jean, yeah? It doesn't work because, because actually the broader you go and, and, and uh, in the content, you get lots of people who like lots of bits of your content, whereas we get lots of people who like most of our content. Um, and that, that's been really powerful and that's meant that we were, 2019 on the tools content was watched uh, consistently by, uh, watched more consistently by UK males than any other publisher. Um, and that's in the world. So across the whole world, no other publisher across Facebook um, had males, UK males watching their content more than us. And it's because we've started from that, that point. We didn't move out of it. We didn't step away from it. We didn't go, oh, well, actually, let's chase that shiny thing ever there. We wanted to, don't get me wrong. Um, we were obsessed with it for a while. And then we realized that we were doing the wrong thing. And um, that power of, of like leaning into your niche and staying consistent and talking and listening to your community, listening to them and going, actually, they want this or that, that is so powerful. It's so powerful. It can lead to having one of the most engaged communities in the world. Um, and we are like two dumb kids from Tamworth. Yeah. In the UK. So like it, we ain't got, we ain't had a head start on it. We've not done anything special. We've like, worked our asses off and, and listened and spoken to a community and, and sort of stayed true to it. So I think as a brand, when you're trying to build community, um, it, it's, that's gotta be the focus. Don't sway, don't go, oh, we could sell them this product now. Like let's smash them in the face. But like stay true to what the, what the community is about because that in the long term will, will reap the benefits. You, you, you totally will. And I think, I think that's, that's us. Um, we, we, I don't know whether I've mentioned it at the beginning and now we're mentioning it at the end again. We're, I think we're going to do a Q&A, aren't we, Joe? But please add us on LinkedIn. If you do nothing today, go to LinkedIn <laughs> and find out names and patterns. <laughs> seriously, ask us, because we're going to do the Q&A, but if there's any other questions, Ab's got a load of stuff that he can share with you as well. And we're really happy to talk to people and love the industry, love speaking to loads of marketeers and, and uh particularly people just in the social game. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you, chaps. Like, um, like I've been sat here just like 
smiling throughout. I mean, like for a few reasons. I mean, the first is Gary Lee. I don't think you'll ever lose that, uh, mate. And, and then the second is like, just like, uh, you probably haven't seen the comments coming in because I think it doesn't work with the I can't people. see them. But like the amount of people that have been like saying like, how awesome it is to see like your energy but also two mates just working with each other like it, it's it's wicked you know and the way that you bounce off each other you know I, I think like the amount of comments that are coming in just the effects of you know like it's inspiring to see you two but you two being you uh, it's amazing so you know thank you for the talk there's a load of really really great practical uh bits of advice there but likewise you know thanks for being you because i, I think it's uh, it's wicked you like you know truly hats off um if you want to stop showing your screen then we'll be able to see your lovely faces um so yeah this bit start um so we, we've got a bunch of questions so folks um if you want to stick around for the q a then uh, do head into the q a feature and give a thumbs up to the questions you want asked uh, there's 26 there right now um before i've even mentioned that oh. so like are there i appreciate your support in getting the the ones you want answered to the top um so uh if we go for the first question um and we'll literally go from the top guys so uh, there's no sort of thematic link between each uh apart from your talk so uh hannah asks how do you encourage employees to appropriately participate with communities and social media in general without deterring them completely i.e how do you stop employees posting things that can be perceived as damaging to the organizational brand when they're on personal social media accounts. And I guess you can relate to that as like business owners as much as community sort of. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it's, it's hard. It's really hard having a, a like a, a um, robust but fair social media policy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because particularly like we're a social media publisher and then we're like you can't post on social media in your own time like it doesn't work does it you know it's really difficult i think um i actually think it comes from something different i think it comes from the from the culture within the business yeah so it's i think it's much more broader than that i think if people if you've got people within within the team that are posting things that are damaging to the brand um i think you've got a a broader problem um you've got more of a problem with with them rather than their actions and like your ability to put in a policy that's going to make sure they don't do it, 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 it you know will sort of like water that down they either get what you do or they don't yeah and, and i think everyone makes mistakes don't get me wrong but i think it's really difficult i think corporate brands can do it really corporate brands can do it quite well so i'd say like you think about the big four, like, you know, like your KPMGs and your Deloitte's and things like that. I think it's a hell of a lot um, easier to sort of put that, like, um, you know, don't put the company into distribute and, and all, all of this sort of stuff within contracts and, and, and stick to them as well and be able to pull people across the coals. But I actually think you're going to do more harm to the culture if you start having to, for example, you know, you have to sack someone because they've posted something on their own, own social media. If someone, po if one employee posts something on your social media that affects your brand so badly um, that you have to sack them, you've probably got a bit of a problem with the brand as well. In in the sense that, like, how much damage can he actually do? I mean, uh, obviously, if it's just some content related, there's certain things. Don't get me wrong, um, uh, you know. Um, but I think on the whole, if it's to do with like posting bits of content that doesn't really fit with the brand or it goes against, you know. Um, certain like uh company cultures or ways of thinking i think you can do some work with it on the broader on on, on the culture part i think it, it's a hard it's a really good question i don't know whether i've answered that I, I don't know yeah it's, it's it a difficult one to answer because it, i think if you're coming from the brand's perspective and it's on the brand's channels mm -hmm. then i think like lee said something must have gone horrifically wrong to get to that point to have someone that would make a mistake that big um, you know, it's a, it's a training thing. It's, um, it's time served. It's yeah, on your own channels, on, on the business channels, on, on, on their, on their own channels. I think a lot of it can be subjective and, you know, I see posts sometimes from employees and I, I, I don't just, I don't agree with them or, you know, some, some of them are, I think I would definitely wouldn't have posted that. But again, it's, you know, people are allowed to talk about what they want on their own socials. Um, and as long as it's not crossing a line, um, I think it's fine. Uh, it's usually political, if I'm being honest. 
Um, one way or the other, someone's going to disagree with it. And I'll hear someone in the office say, did you see what so-and-so posted on? And I'll go, yeah, but you know, what's that got to do with you? Like, you know, the business, it's- um, As long as it's not hateful, then for me, it's freedom of speech. Exactly. Think, you know, it's a difficult thing to do, but I think if it's, if it's your own branded channels, um, Hannah, was it Hannah? Sorry, I think the question was uh, Yes, yeah, it was, yeah. Um, then uh, I think there's, there's ways of putting processes in place for, um, and checks, I would, you know, we've got like, we like to think we're quite agile as a business, but we've got a real um, uh, process to checking content, particularly branded content. Wow, like there's about 10 different eyes that go on it. Um, so I think you can probably drive harder with process potentially. Yeah. yeah, no, I love that. And and actually to be fair, I mean, the other way of thinking about these things is um, if, if there's an element of cultural trust and stuff like that, then um, giving people the freedom to post then also is an opportunity for them to build their own personal brand and, and sort of be an asset to the business as well. So I guess with that restriction, it's actually really important that you do allow people to be themselves if you brought them into the business for a reason, I guess. So um, cool. So we've got a question from uh, Wendy and I'm gonna, I'm gonna loop it into one from Claire as well. So. Wendy asks, do you think groups can be as powerful for B2B? And uh, Claire asks about uh, LinkedIn groups um, for B2B brands. Uh, so do you use them? And if so, why or why not? I think on, on groups, uh, was it Wendy's first one? So uh, yeah. do you think uh, groups can be just um, powerful for B2B? That's it, yeah. Um, I, I, I do. I think it's difficult when you're a brand and it's something that we get told a lot it's all right for you you're you know your brand isn't called martin's accounting services you know <laughs> on the tool so you haven't got that blocker but i think if you've got a brand that um is a brand in the sense that you've put a lot of hard work into it would be easy for mcdonald's to have their own group because a lot of people love the brand they're fully invested in it and they like going there uh, but for those that aren't i would suggest like lee said doing something that isn't the brand name. So if you sell, let's just say you sell something to um, cyclists, I wouldn't call it the brand name of the group. I'd call it tips for people getting into cycling or the best tips for beginner cyclers. And then again, after that, you can go into like tips for people, um, for expert cyclists, you know, you're going into another niche there. But that is exactly how I do it from a B2B offering. I don't think you can go in as the brand and expect to get that same um, value because you haven't given them the value yet. Yeah, and I think you know you're a great. You guys are a great example of the B two B model in, in in communities. Uh, you know they, they do work because it, it's all about the relevancy. It doesn't matter whether it's B two C or B two B. It doesn't matter. Um, it's about the value. It's about whether you, you obviously there's always long term objectives of, of setting up any community, and and you know on the whole they tend to be about well how do I create make more money with my business and, and do these things but ultimately it's got to start with getting a group of people together to discuss something they all share and whether that's work like on the tools or whether it's um, parenting or it doesn't matter um, but and whether it's a group of accountants you know okay well what's the value of that why do you want to do it and then once you know why you want to do it then get those people in a group together because they'll just start talking to each other it's, it's as simple as that try it don't worry about whether it's going to work or not you, you worry about that when it's not working like <laughs> you don't know otherwise I mean, going on the linkedin groups thing for me linkedin groups have, have been linkedin groups are a bit of a mess in 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 my opinion i think they've they had some real high growth and then they changed a lot in terms of um the way people were using them i'm i'm a member of quite a few never see any of the content ever like ever in the feed. I can't remember the last time I engaged with a LinkedIn group, not because I don't want to, I love groups as you can tell. And, and I think, but they're so different. They, it's like LinkedIn, you know what it is? LinkedIn and where Facebook were six years ago, I would create groups, but fuck groups, they're a bit shit. They're not making us any ads, Like let's leave that. And then eventually it might turn around, they might swing, you know, do a U-turn on it. But I think until they start pushing the content into the feed and you don't have to go, LinkedIn's not the greatest UI. Like I don't love, using the platform as much as I, I like using the other one in terms of like its usability. But so therefore, if I'm on my phone and I have to start scratching around how to get into group, it, it's not a nice experience. It needs to be brought onto my feed um, and I'll engage with it more. Then I'll get to know some of the people in the group, you know. Um, so I think they need to do a lot of work on it. So it wouldn't be where I'd be spending my time from a, a lead gen perspective. But I think 
Claire, because I've got Claire's question here. So, um, <coughs> marketing, uh, business growth, social content, and audience, and our lead gen team is busy with outreach. And so, you're looking at how you can connect it. Yes. People don't just live on LinkedIn. I guess that's what I would say. It, it, it depends how it's difficult without knowing what the brand is. But I think that I totally get why you want to be on LinkedIn doing lead gen. But I think also having communities that, like I, I tend to engage in the communities that I'm part of. Yeah, on Facebook group. I don't do it in the day. I, I am like obsessed with LinkedIn in the day. I don't really look at my other social channels. Of an evening, I'll engage in other groups, but. I don't only, I, I don't like, oh, if it's something to do with my work, I'm not engaging with it past seven o'clock. Like that doesn't happen. And that's not how people work. Like, so I think actually it's downtime where if you look at the other channels where you could potentially create another group or another channel, or maybe a, uh, maybe even like a messenger pod that you can then be just chucking questions into each night and getting people to answer or discuss something. Or I, I don't know. I think don't be so, just because LinkedIn is work. Don't be so obsessed that that's the only the only way you're ever going to engage people to do work with them. Like I've I, like I've like won work through like Facebook by messaging people or from people seeing my content on Instagram or do you know what I mean? Like that that's the game. It's about the connection. It's not where it is. Like uh, that that's what I would say. I love that. And actually, that that's a really really good point. I'm I'm mindful of time, chap. So we'll probably make this the last question. But I've I've copied and pasted them all down, and maybe I'll send them through as well. By the way, the uh, the checklist had about four hundred comments, like just like exploded, like um, when you mentioned that those Adam. So like, if there was a way that we could uh, sort of distribute those, or or you know, if it sounds, sounds like another webinar, that does. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm game. I'm game. So you know, like absolutely. Um, there is a question here from Janine, which I'd, I'd like to cover because I think it's uh, it's interesting. And and she asks, uh, with more young people moving away from Facebook, what's the suggestion to engage communities with those younger audiences? Um, so they're an apprenticeship provider, and most of their audiences between sixteen and twenty four. But I think to the wider point, I mean, like, do you worry about like these trends on different social media platforms? platforms when it comes to their audiences or do you just try to create the best thing that is native for that that sort of platform and then worry about the audience that tends to interact with it later or, or how do you think about these things something we've got a big focus on at the minute is being broad because we you know are aware of where people are moving to and where people are spending their time i think the, the only the only thing that i think sort of stays true is that uh you're not mark you're not knocking marks of the of anything right Facebook as a group is too powerful now. If you look at it, look, TikTok's got huge growth, right? Huge. The, the traction on it's amazing. But as a platform, in comparison to Facebook in the, in the blue product and Instagram, they are years and years and years and years and years behind. Um, not through any fault of their own, because they started years and years and years later. Like, and I think there's a legacy that sits with, with Facebook as a, as a group and as a company. My, my view is, my prediction is that Facebook will come back around again. Like, I, I don't think it's dead yet. Young people don't want to spend their time yet there at the moment because their nan's on it, right? But uh, I bet you they're still members of groups. I, I almost guarantee well, it. And they still go on there to engage people. It's still two billion people on there, yeah? Uh, I think that's where you've got to, like, go, always go multi-platform, always. Yeah, you, you've got to do that. And I think, I think you can get scared easily as well when you see some data and it's, oh, young people don't go on Facebook anymore. They do. Like, we've got a group. This is quite fitting, actually. We've got a young person's group. It's called On the Tools 16 to 25 year olds, and it's on Facebook. About apprenticeships. About apprenticeships, you know. Uh, but it's, uh, but it's, um, it's got over 30,000 members in it. And the reason we created that, because we wanted a safe, almost like this safe place for tradespeople to be able to talk together on a level um, that they couldn't do on main groups because. You, you're a 16 year old apprentice, you're asking a question that you don't know the answer to, and, and someone who's been in the trade 20 years, it might seem like a bit of a silly question. You know what Facebook's like, they ain't scared to say it. So what you get is people just not wanting to say something, or you get people just getting hounded. So that's why we created the group, but they are on the platform, they are. But when you've got two billion on it, they might just not be the biggest percentage out of the age yeah, You know what, they might not be picking it up um, 50 times a day like they are TikTok, right? Uh, they might be only getting into it a couple of times a day. Um, Instagram might be somewhere to to focus onto as well. But I think um, you can't just the the, the real risk, right? There's a risk in, in young people moving away from Facebook. But 
absolutely of course there is but the real risk is not being on all of the platforms that's what you should be looking at is that that should be the strategy because when it does change you can pivot and go well actually yeah there is a more of a focus on tiktok at the minute so we're going to do that we're still going to stand on facebook we still value you mm -hmm. i think it's that um maybe a bit of a cop-out question uh, answer but you, you've got to stay in your channel um, not at all not at all like you, you've literally given like a very specific example so it's not a cop-out at all uh with that in mind uh chaps we're getting like this has been unreal and you should uh, hopefully you're seeing the, the comments coming in from folks who have just been saying what a great session oh, no, the chat. sorry we haven't been looking at the chat no you know it's been unreal i'll, I'll send you a text document with it all in because yeah, yeah, like, your ego just go like this <laughs> <laughs> um but we'll, we'll probably call it there but i mean like if the door's open for another webinar another day i'd love to make that happen so uh, the webinar definitely and, and like i say just drop us questions on on just the Jumping, sliding, jumping, <laughs> dancing to our DMs. Um, Search Gary Lee. Gary Lee. Uh, <laughs> or Old Heath Ledger. Uh, um, um, but no, uh, jump in and, and just ask some questions, particularly specific to this, because it's, uh, you know, across the next 20, 24, 48 hours, because it'd be good to sort of chat that through with anyone. But um, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And folks, uh, you know with everyone that's left here if everyone was to post about being in the session or whatever it may be or to thank the sponsors like you know it would be great to sort of get the word out about about these sessions too so um thank you all so much for being here thank you both you know for an amazing hour and a bit you know like really really brilliant so thank you so much uh, chaps, one point of admin here, which is that I've made you guys the host, so I won't be able to end the session anymore. So, uh, so like, I refuse to end it. People in here, what can we do? Yeah, <laughs> you've got the no, to me. Do you want to sign up to a twenty-week course? <laughs> uh, right, really? oh, it's been so. <laughs> say goodbye. Thanks very much. Bye. 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 Bye everyone. Bye. Sorry, you shouldn't let us be in control of this, mate. Bye. Absolutely. I'm waiting to get one. One. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, oh no. Oh no. There's more people joining. <laughs> Bye. Oh, we still got to. Uh,